A few months back, I didn't know, as my grandfather used to say, I didn't know Randy Conrad from Adam's house cat. <laughs> I'd never heard of him. And uh, uh, within the span of one week, I had three different people say, have you ever heard of Randy Conrad? You know how strange that is? Ever heard of Randy Conrad? You ought to meet Randy Conrad. He's a nice guy. You'd like him. <laughs> well, I don't know whether I would or not. <laughs> but uh, we did meet. And lo and behold, I did like Randy Conrad. And uh, I found out that uh, Randy is an ex-Marine. <laughs> I think honorably discharged, yes. <laughs> which is important. Uh, I found out that he was educated in Bible school, Bible colleges, and all that sort of stuff, which is good, but it means nothing to us here. The important thing is that Randy loves the Lord. And the important thing is that Randy has a loving, intimate relationship with the Lord that's ongoing, that uh, he trusts his Lord with his entire life. That Randy has a beautiful family, his wife Melissa. <laughs> Whoa, you get better... <laughs> Better credits than Randy does. Um, and, and Kaylee, who just graduated uh, high school. And, yeah. Oh, do you know what matriculated means? Oh, okay. No, never mind. We, we, we ask that question when uh, our high school students graduate. None of them knew. Uh, but I found out that Kaylee is going into nursing school and that Randy's going into nursing school with Kaylee. How about that? Is that not pretty super? I just think that's, that's great. Who's going to be the better student? Yeah, probably. <laughs> so... I want to welcome, and I want you to welcome to the Renovation Vineyard Church pulpit this morning, Randy Conrad. Come. No, you can't. Go all the way up. Okay. Or you won't have room. Sorry, I'm tall enough. I don't need any extra, extra height there this morning. Well, good morning, everybody. With that uh, wonderful introduction there, George. Um, it, it truly has been an honor to get to know him over the past couple months. We've had several times to be able to go out and eat and just sit and talk, and it's, it's been great to hear his heart, and, and that has kind of led to this morning to where I've had the opportunity, the blessing, to be able to be here with each and every one of you this morning. He's, he's right. The one thing that, that matters, I think, most, whether it's not just me or, or anyone, and I think certainly is evident with him as well, is the love for the Lord. Amen. If we love the Lord and we give him everything with all of our heart, nothing else matters. 
Because the things of this world, they're just temporary, right? All this stuff we get, it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter what you accomplish. If you love the Lord with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, nothing else matters. That is key to everything. So this morning, I am so happy to be here and kind of honored to to share this message because honestly, God has been laying this on my heart for the past several months now. Um, he, He kind of beat me over the head with it, and we'll get to it a little bit. He beat me over the head with it in a, another church one day. I was actually just listening to someone else preach, and it wasn't even the preaching. It was the worship song that happened, and God kind of spoke to my heart, and it just slowly, progressively went more with that and, and, and kind of getting us to the point now where God's finally saying, you know what, I keep telling you this stuff. I keep showing you. When will you finally believe me? When will you finally believe me? Because we can be stubborn, can't we? Maybe it's just me. I'm stubborn. God like will say something to me, and I'm the one that's like, uh-huh, thanks, Lord. He has to hit me over the head sometimes and say, I'm talking to you. When will you listen to me? And that's kind of where I'm getting at with this this morning, is God just continues to kind of pound it into my head of what he wants uh, to speak. This morning before we even start, can we just pray? Heavenly Father God, Lord, we praise you. Lord, we give you this morning, this time, this moment. God, it is yours. Lord, would you reveal and speak to our hearts exactly what you would have us to hear this morning? Holy Spirit, move in power in this room. We are here for a reason. We didn't just come here by chance. God, you brought each and every one of us to this moment for this time for you to speak. So God, I pray that I would completely disappear. Lord, nothing has anything to do with me or George or the band or anyone else. God, this morning is solely to experience and have an intimate encounter with you. God, we ask this. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I see you. Not, not, not creepy. Not, don't, don't go creepy and, and be like, I see you. I already saw you. No. There's a lot. When you look at your neighbor real quick, you can tell a lot from looking at somebody, can't you? You can tell a lot from looking somebody in the face and seeing their eyes and taking just a minute to, to look at somebody. We can understand and see a lot about the person because we see emotion. We see expression. We can see anger or happiness or joy or sadness. We can see a lot from looking at somebody's face and just taking that moment just to put eyes to eyes. See, we live in a, a modern day where there's plenty of technology Right? We have cell phones, we have email, we have Snapchat, we have Facebook, we have you name it. We can communicate around the world in a second. But there's nothing more important than a face-to-face conversation. Because I can text, and I know you've all been in this thing, when you've texted somebody, right, and you're sending a message back and forth, and you're like, did she really just say that to me? Oh my gosh, I can't believe he... He didn't mean anything by it. It was just an honest comment, but there's no emotion in text. If you have a loss of a loved one and you just simply make a phone call sometimes and say, hey, I'm praying for you, that's great, I appreciate it. 
But oh, how much greater to come up alongside and wrap your arms around and say, I love you. I'm praying for you. There's something that can never be broken when it comes to a face-to-face conversation, when it comes to to being with somebody face-to-face. But the problem becomes that we've become so attached to just sending out a quick message or being just a quick little, you know, point with somebody that we never have that intimate communication with somebody else. Have you ever been in a a busy place, maybe in a a crazy environment, and you just see, like, somebody else's face from afar and everything is okay? Have you ever done that? Like, Melissa and I, I love it. We have got this thing down. We talked about it years ago, and we have worked this out, that it doesn't matter how big of an arena we are in. It doesn't matter what the scariest situation we've been in. If we can just, like, look across the room and see a face, everything else is gone. All the worry, all the stress, all of that just kind of disappears because there's a familiar face. What happens in our life when we have fear and we have struggles and we worry about what's going on and God is saying, hello, I'm here, just look at me. The problem is we get so wrapped up in fear and so worried about what's going on that, that fear almost becomes a crippling thing, doesn't it? Matter of fact, Webster's Dictionary, I was reading this this week, and I want you to, to, to listen to this definition of fear. Webster's Dictionary defines fear as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. I'm not sure about you, but I rarely ever define fear as an unpleasant emotion. (laughs) Doesn't that sound so prim and proper? Fear, it's just an unpleasant emotion. Fear scares me to death sometimes. When there's something fearful, I don't say, oh, it was unpleasant. No, I want to run away and I want to hide. I want to get away from it. What is going on that's just scaring me so much? I can't stand to be around it. That's fear. You ever had one of those weeks, days, months, when it feels like you're just trying to bust through walls, you're trying to overcome obstacles, everything just seems to be weighing down on you, it doesn't matter what you do, where you turn, what you say, it just feels like you're, you just can't get ahead. I've had those the past few months. Honest, transparent. When you have those moments that it just feels like nothing can go right and you're pounding on doors, and as soon as you knock down one, something else pops up in front of you, and the moment you push that down, you fall into a hole, and the moment you start to climb out of the hole, somebody stumps on your fingers and knocks you back in. It just feels so hard. And you say, but God, why? Why am I struggling? Why is there so much fear? Why? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And we get trapped in this crippling fear. If we all remember, just last year, there was the horrible shooting in Las Vegas. Just a few weeks ago, they released some video, and I'm not going anywhere other than this, that they released some video of a uh, police officer in Vegas who was seen on his body camera footage one floor below the active shooting while it was happening, and he never went above the floor to do anything about it. And they said, why didn't you engage? Why didn't you just try? And he said, because I was scared. All I heard was all this shooting, and I couldn't move. All my training went away, and I stood frozen. Fear can be crippling, can't it? 
it will stop us. And instead of going on to what God has for us, instead of trying to, to be and do the things that he has called us to do, instead we, we retreat, we step back, we stop, we, we get behind something that feels safe and comfortable in our, in our little area and we don't move anymore because if I go out here, that's where it gets hard. If I try and come out this way, well, well that's where those people are saying things to me. And instead of overcoming fear, instead of trying to, to do what God has called us to do, instead we just surround ourselves and we become comfortable and trapped. It's a beautiful example of that last week. The Thai soccer team. Here are these 12 kids who are trapped inside a cave and they, they go into the side of the cave and the water starts coming in so they don't know what else to do and they keep going back and back and back farther and farther and farther into a cave because they think that's where safety is because the stuff that's coming at them is too hard to fight against. And what happened? They've found themselves stuck and trapped in a cave that they could never get out of. You know, there's, there's that side of it. There's also the other side that comes to what happened. Have you seen the video when the first people emerged inside the cave, the divers, and they came in and they saw these kids? I love the pictures of these kids' faces. Because the moment that some stranger that they've never seen before pops up out of this water and comes in there, their faces are... They're so happy. They're so excited because there's somebody else there. There's a face to help them get out of where they're trapped and where their fear is. So we are not meant to be a people of fear. Did you know that? God did not create us to be a people of fear. But the world wants us to be fearful of everything. I don't know about you, but when all those hard times happen, and all those bad things go on, there's one name one name that we can stand on. There's one thing that we can go to that it doesn't matter how bad things are going on, it doesn't matter how low you get, that you can cry out to Jesus. And as you cry out to Jesus, he never fails, does he? I've never known God to fail in anything. He never, ever fails. It's not an unpleasant emotion. It's crippling. It will take away your joy. It takes away your hope. It takes away everything you have if you live in fear. This morning, I've got a, several verses. If you see in your, your handout there, there's several verses that I want to go through. I'm going to kind of run through some of them, but there's some that I want to camp on and just talk about just a little bit more of how you and I can understand how you and I can, can handle this thing called fear. Because as Christians, you and I are not meant to live in fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. So many of us heard that verse before. Isaiah 43.1 says, But now this is what the Lord says. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. I want to stop there for a second because obviously some of you didn't hear what was included in that verse. It says, fear not. It's one thing to say, fear not. Sure, we can say, well, you shouldn't be afraid. And I can tell you, don't be afraid in a situation. But God says, fear not. Why? 
Because I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. You are mine. You know what that means? You know what that shows us? We have a very possessive God. And when you are His, guess what that means? Ain't nobody else getting you. There's no one else that's going to come and take you. There's nobody else that's going to be able to come and steal you. There is nothing else that can happen to you because you are mine. Fear not. Proverbs 29.25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Isaiah 41.10, this happens to be Melissa's favorite passage of Scripture. It says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will what? I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not. Do not fear. Don't have fear. Why? Because you're mine. Because I'm holding you. I've got you. For those of us who have kids, how many times have we said that to our children? Be like, don't worry, it's okay. Why? Because Daddy's here, or mom's here. I'm here. I've got you. It's okay. Well, guess what? My arms get tired. And I'm human, and I fail, and I get weak. But God, the Heavenly Father, says, don't fear, because I have you. You are mine. That's, a, that's such a promise to you this morning that you know, I'm going to ask us to be vulnerable in just a second. Close your eyes for me just a second. If there's somebody here, because I know there is, I'm one. But if there's somebody here and you're just going through something, and you're like, man, I have been beating down walls. I feel so trapped. I feel so helpless. And you haven't been able to get through something. Would you just slip your hand up? I'm not going to call you out. I want to pray for just a second. Heavenly Father, God, in this moment, God, in this moment, I pray that you would continue to minister. Lord, that you would continue to work. God, there are people here who are hurting. God, there are people here who have been trapped in fear and have something that's going on in their life. God, we're worried, we're stressed. But Lord, I pray that this morning they would hear your words speaking directly to their heart, directly to their spirit. That says, fear not. Do not fear. I have redeemed you. You are mine. I will hold you in my righteous right hand. I want to speak directly to those who raise their hand this morning as we're contending with your eyes closed. He is here for you today. Whatever that thing is that you think is too great, whatever that thing is that you think is just so overwhelming, it's not. He wants to rescue you. He wants to lift you up. He wants to, to elevate you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to bless you. This morning is for you. This morning is for each and every one of us here. We're not here by chance, guys. God wants to speak to our hearts. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are not 
created to live in fear. That is the one thing, the ultimately the one thing that God did not create us to do. Because you and I, as created beings, were what? We were created in His image. Amen? Amen? Created in His image to be in relationship with Him. If we're in relationship with God and we are one with Him and we are in His image, then the one thing that we should not be is fearful. They don't go together because God does not fear. God isn't scared. If we're in His image and we're created in Him, He's given us all the tools. He's given us all the things to know how we shouldn't be living a life of fear. We just have to walk it out. I said a couple months ago that um, there was this this song that kind of spoke to me with this message, and and I want to read just a short bit of the lyrics of the song. I had never heard it before, by the way. And, And it just kind of spoke that morning. So the lyrics go like this. says, trouble won't throw me, won't break me. Won't scare me no more. Fear must have thought I was faithless when it came from my heart. Because I got a song that will never die. I know your love is the reason why. I'll sing the night into the morning. I'll sing the fear into your praise. I'll sing my soul into your presence. Whenever I say your name, let the devil know not today. There was a line in that, that song later on that I loved And it says, fear is just a liar running out of breath. Fear is just a liar running out of breath. So basically, if we take that song, the great deceiver, the liar, is Satan. Amen? So when we have fear, and when we worry, and when we stress, and when we struggle, and when we doubt, and when we have anxiety, and when we panic, and when we do all these things, it's just simply Satan trying to get to you in a way that he hasn't been able to get to you before. It's just simply Satan saying, you know what, I've tried to put obstacles in there, I've tried to get her to do something, I've tried to get him to to do this, and it hasn't worked, guess what, I'm going to create fear in them, because in fear, they will be lost. And God says, no you won't. Because you're not a person of fear. You don't have to be crippled and worried and so struggled that you can't do anything because God is always with us. So we have this side of fear and we say, well, oh my goodness, what am I supposed to do? How do I overcome fear? Fear is real. Because please, stop there and let me say that I don't want to downplay anybody's fear. I don't want to downplay your worries this morning. I don't want to downplay the struggles you're going through. Hear my heart, that is not what I'm trying to say. Because we all have them. And there are days that happen when we feel like I want to curl up in a ball, go in my room, and hide. It just is. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. If you call me, I'm going to mute the phone. Leave me alone. It's real, right? It happens. My challenge to us this morning is for us to understand that it doesn't have to happen. We don't have to be that. We've been called to be more than that if we would just focus on God. So one side of this is we have a focus. Do we want to put our attention and our focus on fear, or instead are we going to focus on the face, the face of God? And I'm telling you this morning, there is nothing greater that you and I can do as believers other than focusing on the face of God. 1 Chronicles 16, 11 says this. 
Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. Colossians 3, 1-2, it says, If then you who have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Psalm 16:11 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And I want you to remember that because that's going to make a lot more sense here in just a few minutes. Psalms 27, 1 through 8. I want to camp here for just a second. And I want us to kind of look through this passage. Because here we have David. And if you remember David, he's gone through so many different things in his life, right? Remember, David was the one running and hiding in the wilderness, hiding in caves. He's been fighting. He's been doing all these different things. And David has these words to say in in verses 1 through 8 in chapter 27. He says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Okay, you've been hunted. You've had to hide out in caves. But yet you're saying, Whom shall I fear? Guys, what's going on in your life this morning that makes you question and wonder and worry and doubt? We need to be able to get to a point that we can say, you know what? The Lord, you are my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? It says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, (laughs) it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Can I just say, I want to be like David and be able to write that out, and when I leave there this morning that I can say, you know what, when you come against me, guess what? You're the one that's going to fall. Not me. I'm not giving up. I'm not stopping. I'm going to keep going. All this stuff, all this trash that wants to happen, guess what? Bye. I'm moving on, right? Because that's where we need to get to be as believers, as followers of Christ. He says, though an army besiege me. You know, I love the, the worship this morning. God of angel armies. God, when you look and when you think about that song, and how appropriate, by the way, I have to just share how God works, because we, George asked me earlier this week if there was any certain songs or music, and I said, nope, don't have a clue. Just play whatever God lays on your heart. Last night, true story, last night I woke up about 2.30 to an image of a standard bearer walking before and leading an army, and in the image in my mind was that there was a rear guard coming up behind. True story. About how God works when it comes to the fear of things that happen, is that he will always go before us. There's a standard barrier that says who we are in Christ, and we can always trust that he's always going to be pulling up the rear guard watching over us. That nothing is going to attack us from the front, and nothing is going to attack us from behind. That's our God, everybody. That's who we follow. That's who we serve. He says, though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me, even though I will be confident. An army besieges me, I'm not going to fear. War breaks out against me, and I'm still going to be confident. Do you kind of see the pattern here of what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to live if our focus is on Him? When all these things happen, instead of the natural way that happens, the moment something comes against us, we worry, we doubt, we wonder, we stress. Oh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to make it happen? It says, one thing I ask from the Lord, verse 4. This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, 
to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. How simple. It seems too simple. That David's only request in this point, he, he goes on and he says who God is, and he talks about why he's not going to be afraid, but then he simply has one ask. Oh Lord, that I could just sit in your house, dwell in your house all the days of my life to gaze upon your face. That's my one ask, Lord. He says, because if you will do that, you will keep me safe. You will hide me in the shelter of your sacred tent. Verse 6 says, then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. How many of you have been given shouts of joy in the middle of your turmoil? Right? How many of us are sitting there and everything's going wrong and everything's going great? Lord, I praise you. God, I'm going to shout your name. Or are we going... Oh my God, why aren't you moving? Why aren't you doing something, God? It's hard to shout for joy when everything's going wrong. I bet it was hard for David to shout for joy when he was being attacked. But he knew that there was only one person that could save him anyways. He knew there was only one face that he needed to be focused on. And that was the face of God. It says, I will shout for joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call. Lord, be merciful to me. Answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Picture, if you will, the idea of, of looking at somebody's face. Like I said earlier, in a crowded room when everything's going wrong, you look across the hall and you see the, the face of your spouse or your loved one or a friend that's just comfortable and familiar and everything just kind of goes away. All the worry, all the stress because you, you know somebody else is there who cares. When we as Christians come up to fear and things are going wrong and everything is happening and things are they're messing up and we don't understand what's going wrong and we keep getting beat down, if we would just seek his face. And the reason I said earlier in that scripture it was important to remember when we talked about being in his presence because the Hebrew word for seeking his face and being in his presence are basically the exact same thing. The meaning behind that Hebrew word is the same, that if I want to seek your face, I'm just desiring to be in your presence. So the more that I get in your presence, the more that I see your face. The more I see your face, the more I'm in your presence. The more that I'm in the presence of God, nothing else matters. The worries won't be there. The shame won't be there. The stress won't be there. The doubts aren't there. Why? Because you're in his presence. And David says that if I can just be in his presence, if I can just seek his face and dwell in his place, then he's going to hide me. He's going to protect me. He's going to watch over me. That's a beautiful image of what we as Christians should be seeking in life. If we can just seek his face with everything we have. How can I be closer to you, Lord? How can I be closer to you? I just want to spend time with you. 
You know, there is nothing better as a Christian, no greater feeling than just being in the presence of God. There is nothing greater than that. We come and we, we sing songs and we get together and we worship and we pray and we do all these wonderful things. Why? Because we always say we want to be in his presence. How can I be in his presence? Let me here to tell you this morning that you don't have to do all of that to be in his presence. He's given us, I believe, three key ways that you and I as believers can be in his presence. I want to go over this real quick. Three ways that you and I can be in his presence. And the first one is going to seem really simple and you're going to wonder what I'm talking about. It's pray. If you want to get into the presence of God, you want to seek his face, we have to pray. Now, I don't mean when you go to lunch today, you all bless your food and you say, I prayed and it's done. Or you go home tonight and before you go to bed, you pray and it's all done. I mean, pray. I mean, getting alone with God, getting down on your knees, separating yourself from everyone else, and just spending time talking. Because you realize prayer is just a great conversation with your father. You're going to go home today, and you're going to call your friend, and you're going to chat about something. You're going to talk to your husband or your wife or your kids, and you're going to have conversations with them and ask how their day was. Guess what? God wants you to get together with him and ask how your day is. He wants you to be able to spend time with him, and if we can just pray and spend time with our Heavenly Father and really love him and share with him and not just ask for things, but actually give back things in prayer then we will understand what it means to seek His face. Because any relationship needs to be nurtured, right? You hear it all the time. If you want to have a successful marriage, what do you do? You date your spouse. If you want to actually have a great relationship with your kids, you've got to sit down and talk with them. If you want to be able to build a friendship with somebody else that you meet, you go out and you talk. You have lunch together. The same thing comes with our relationship with Jesus Christ. It requires our time. It requires our conversation. So we pray to be able to get closer into his presence. The second thing that we do, and this is so evident within this passage of Psalm 27, is that we have to worship. And do you realize that worship is more than just singing? You realize, right? It's worship is more than just standing here and singing words. It's more than just doing that. But that is so much a part of what worship is. But worship is being willing to give everything you have to worship a God who is holy and worthy of so much more. Worship is basically saying that he is worthy. It's worth ship. It's showing to him how worthy he is by giving our praise. And David, in this passage here in Psalm 27... He says that uh, my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me in his tabernacle. Will I sacrifice with shouts of joy? I will sing and make music to the Lord. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Because when it comes to worship, it's about getting in a place that you're willing to give him everything. Shane said it so beautifully this morning during one of the songs when he talks about how we need to be willing to not be, you know, worried about what's going on around us. Can we just in our own time, can we just in our own way shout and give him praise? 
Because if you have been redeemed and if you truly are held in his righteous right hand and if you are the one that he is saying, you are mine, thank you, Lord, does not include worship. Worship is saying, thank you, Lord, for what you did. God, you are so worthy of everything. I praise you in the middle of the worst moments of life. I will shout praises to your name. See, those kids in the cave the other day were still trapped in a cave, but they had seen that somebody was coming to get them out, and do you realize they were actually shouting and dancing and singing inside the cave? They were still trapped two and a half miles inside the center of the earth with water all around them and no way to get out, but somebody was there and had shown them hope for something else. And in that moment of seeing hope, they were shouting and praising. Why? There was reason to be excited. We have it so much greater. God has promised us a future and a hope and a life of freedom that if we'll just reach out and touch it and latch onto it and be willing to seek after Him, we have eternity. How much more should we be worshiping Him just to seek His face? You know, you can do two things. There's two W's you can do in this time when you're in fear. You can worry or you can worship. I can guarantee you worry is going to get you nowhere. But worship will get you everywhere. The third thing, third and final thing that we can do in order to seek his face is to have devotion. To spend devotion. And it kind of incorporates the first two. Because if you and I want to have a relationship with Jesus, if we want to have a time and we want to be in his presence, David's one request in that passage was with all of this, I ask you one thing, Lord. Would you let me dwell in your house forever? Can I sit and look at your face? He didn't say, with all these things going on around me, God, with all these enemies attacking me, can you give me a bigger army? God, with all of this stuff happening, can you give me the wisdom to get myself out of this trouble? He didn't say, God, with, with all these things are happening, when everything is going wrong, can you just give me the right self-help book to get me out, to give me the medicine, to get me where I need to go? He said, there's only one thing I ask, God, that I can dwell in your house forever. Can I sit at your presence and look at your face forever? And he goes on to say, because in that, in that moment, I know you will hide me and you will protect me. Because of being in your presence will I be able to have my head exalted and sing your praise. If we will have devotion with him, if we will spend time with him, if we will love him with everything we have, then we can see and find ourselves in his presence. We will find ourselves seeking after his face. With all of that comes the question, as somebody asked me the other day when I was telling them about this message, and they said, well, that's great. What if you've done all those things and you still don't feel that anything's happened? What if you've prayed all you can pray and you've worshiped all you can worship and you've had devotion with him and it still doesn't feel like God's answering? And it's reality, isn't it? Because there's those moments when, you know, that, that being in the presence of God, that being in the closeness like what David was describing, that's the, 
that's the, the, the ultimate moment of having the relationship. That's the ultimate moment of being in his presence, but it just doesn't always happen because life is still real, isn't it? We don't always have those moments where we feel like right in the intimate presence of God and we still feel that things are happening around us and we pray and we have devotion and we worship and we try and we try and we try. And I believe that's when God says, it's okay because I'm still here. That's those moments that you still have to hold on to the promise that says, guess what? You are mine. It doesn't matter just because you don't feel like it's exactly where it needs to be. The promise is still secure. You are still mine. I am still here with you. I think that we have to get to the, the point that we would say this. I wrote it down because I would forget it word for word. That we can say, Lord, here I am. You told me to seek your face, and so I have. I'm seeking your face. I don't understand what it means. I don't even know what it is. I don't have a clue, but I'm trying it. I need to know you personally, face to face. God, I want to know you. I want to know the real you, not some image that's been made up, but I want to know you. More than answers, more than guidance, more than solutions. Lord, I just need you. Because there is something beautiful in being vulnerable. There is beauty in being vulnerable. Because I am never going to be one of those people that stands up here and says, guess what, I've got it all figured out. I know it all. Because I don't. But I do know that we serve a God who loves us to the ends of the earth. Matter of fact, loved us to the grave. And he did that because he wants a relationship with you. He wants to have you so sure that no matter what happens, no matter, Matt, no matter what might befall you, no matter what issues may be going on in your life, maybe you've got the worst breakup happening in your family. Or maybe you've lost the dream job and you have no idea what your identity is. Maybe you're going back to school at 41 years old because things just haven't worked out right. And he's sitting there saying, guess what? No matter what is going on, <laughs> you're still mine. And I still love you. So it doesn't matter what you think is happening in your life. You need to know that I am always in control of your life. You have two choices. We all have two choices. We can focus on fear or we can focus on his face. My prayer is that this morning when we leave here, we would focus on his face. Because I know the moment we get out of here today, one of us is going to get something that's going to happen and it's going to be like, oh my gosh. Really, today, guess what? Focus on his face, not on the problem. Because focusing on the problem only gets you a bigger vision of the problem. Focusing on his face makes him bigger and the problem smaller. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I just pray, I thank you, Lord, for who you are. God, I thank you for what you're doing this morning in this building, in this church. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity. I praise you for the opportunity to be here. God, I pray that in all the things that I've said, Lord, God, that they would be of yours. If there's something I said, uh, Father, that didn't, uh, isn't from you and wasn't supposed to be said this morning, God, would you block it from mine? But Lord, we exalt you, we lift you up this morning. Would we be a people who would seek after you, who would desire to be in your presence every moment of every day? 
God, we'd be a people who pray, who worship, and who devote ourselves to you through obedience. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Would you continue to be with this service? In Jesus' name, amen.